still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to you to read with me in Psalm 46 this afternoon. Uh, We're not going to have a sermon so much today as kind of a combination Bible reading and pep talk. I I think that I am in the need of a lesson like this. Perhaps you are too. Read with me starting in verse number one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. What an amazing passage, especially in times like these. And I say especially in times like these as if we are living in some remarkable period of time. I suppose that's true in a sense, but... One of the problems with being prisoners of time as we are is that it is impossible for us to properly assess the times we are living in in the context of history in the broader sense. Yes, we are living in perilous times, but there have always been perilous times. Yes, there is danger at every turn, but there's always been danger at every turn. The danger may have a different name today. There may be somewhat different consequences for living an ordinary life today than was the case a month ago or a year ago. But has the world really changed? Are we living in different times 
than we were a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago. There are still diseases. There is still doubt. There is still fear of the future. There are still foreign powers that may intend us ill. There is still sin. And more importantly, there's still God. And because God does not change, because God is constant, because God is timeless, we as the servants of God are in position to look at the world very differently than those who do not believe. God is, in fact, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We have confidence that no matter what happens in the world, God is with us. Though the earth should change, he says. I'm not convinced that the world has really changed all that much, but let's say for the sake of argument that it has. Let's say that we woke up this morning and black was white and up was down. And everything that we thought we knew about the world has been altered and perhaps even altered irrevocably. I don't think that's true. But what if it is true? God hasn't changed. And our relationship with God hasn't changed. We look at the waters roaring and foaming. We look at the mountains quaking. We look at the tumult that surrounds us. And instead of imagining what this means for our life, instead of imagining what this might mean for our future, instead we are driven further and further into the arms of our Heavenly Father who provides refuge, who provides strength, who provides help. This is the opportunity that we have as Christians that others do not have. And frankly, it is beneath our dignity as Christians to act like people in the world act. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't take danger seriously. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't take preventative measures to keep ourselves safe and keep our loved ones safe. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't pray for law enforcement and for the medical community and for, for political powers and, and other forces that are at work in this world that are hopefully guiding us to a safer place, a, a calmer place, a more productive place. But realize whatever place that happens to be, that is a place on the earth. That is a place in the flesh. And we do not live in the flesh. We are temporarily isolated in the flesh. We live in the spirit. That's the point of the next phrase that he gives us in verse number four. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That's where we dwell. We dwell in the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. We live with the Heavenly Father. We live with His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We live with the saved of all the ages. We are not there yet. But that is our home. We are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3 verse 20 tells us. And when we feel uncomfortable in this life, we simply have a better perspective of what living in this life is. It's always going to be uncomfortable. It's always going to be difficult. It's always going to be challenging. That's why we thank God that we don't live here. We're just temporarily residing here. We are living where this river brings 
the city of God, the streams of happiness, the streams of contentment. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And maybe that's a significant point there. Morning hasn't dawned yet. And I don't think that morning here is talking about when we finally, finally find a cure or when crime goes away or when we achieve 100% unemployment or employment or any such thing as that. Morning dawns when our sojourn here is complete. It was never intended to completely make sense while we're here on earth. That's where faith comes in. That's why we push ourselves, why God pushes us to believe in this greater city, in this home away from where we are now. Morning will dawn in due course of time. It will dawn for us. It will dawn for all of the saved. God is with us. There is a sense, of course, in which he is going to be with us in heaven. But we believe as sojourners here on planet Earth that he's living with us now after a fashion, as much as he possibly can anyway, without being in the flesh himself as the son of God was for about a third of a century. Jesus is living in us. The spirit is living in us. God, the father is living in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 says. That's why we glorify God in our body. That's why we do not get bogged down in the difficulties and the hardships and the pain and suffering of this life. It affects us just as much as it affects anybody else, but does not touch us where we live. It does not alter our destiny. Our destiny is secure. Our hope is hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, we can do what the verse tells us to do in verse number eight. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts a spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. We're running and hiding from what happens in the world. We are terrified by what happens in the world. We don't want to see. We want to keep our eyes closed. And God says, open your eyes. It's okay. This is not about you. The hardships, the difficulties, the pain and suffering. This is not about you. Notice what he says here. Come behold the works of the Lord, verse 8, who has wrought desolations where? In the earth. In Satan's world. That's where the trouble is. And that touches you necessarily because you are here too, just like I am. But we as the children of God can look at it from a distance. We can separate ourselves from that because we know that this is not about us. God is not punishing his faithful ones. God is not rendering judgment against his faithful ones. God is showing his faithful ones that the world is an imperfect place, a painful place, a place where sin abounds. And God is angry with sin and sometimes punishes sin, even in the flesh. I'm not suggesting that's what the virus is all about here. I don't know that. I'm not in the mind of God. But I do have confidence that God shows us in the flesh a picture of what his righteous wrath is. He, we see his power. We see his authority. And we marvel. And under different circumstances, we would quake in fear. But we don't quake in fear because that's not the kind of fear that we have for our God. The fear that we have of God is the fear that we have for a loving father 
who commands us, who guides us, who occasionally disciplines us, but who always has our welfare in mind, who is always lifting us up, not tearing us down, and certainly not destroying us. Occasionally, we have to suffer the consequences of our actions, and occasionally we have to suffer the consequences of other people's actions, and occasionally we have to suffer just because we're on planet Earth. None of that means that God doesn't love us. None of that means that God doesn't care for us or that God is not providing for us, even in the flesh, even on earth. And certainly doesn't mean that he has forgotten about us or abandoned us. Verse 10, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's how this is going to wind up. You can sit and stew and fume and wonder and doubt and complain all you want to. But know this, at the end of the day, our Heavenly Father is going to be glorified. Wouldn't it be better for us, for us to live our lives in faith, to live our lives in confidence, to cease striving? Calm down. Allow God to have his way in the world. Whether that means good news tomorrow, bad news tomorrow, good news for us, bad news for us. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we are blessed to be a partaker in this process. Maybe it's more bad news today than it was yesterday. Maybe tomorrow will be more good news. But whether it's good or bad really doesn't matter. All that really matters is that we bless the name of the Lord. All that really matters is that we remember what he says here in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. God will continue to bless you. God will continue to watch over you. God will continue to lift you up if you will cease striving. If you'll just be still. Let go of worry. Let go of fear. Let go of doubt. Hold on to God. He is the one who is our refuge and strength. Let him have his way in the world, whatever that way is. And instead of trying to figure it out, instead of trying to predict it, instead of trying to stay ahead of the curve, what we need to be doing is assessing where we are right now, where our faith is where our hope is, how we actually judge quality of life. And in that moment, find God and allow him to lift us up, allow him to encourage us, allow him to provide the help that we need. I'm fully aware that none of this, you can read Psalm 46 a hundred times, you can read the Bible a hundred times, and your current circumstances probably will not change. That you can pray to the God of heaven and ask for relief like Paul did from his thorn in the flesh three times, 300 times. And maybe nothing will change. Maybe it will get worse. I'm aware of that. What people of faith do is they do not hang their hat, as it were. They do not hold out desperately for a hope that things will change in this life. What we do is we take every opportunity, good times, bad times, in between times, take every opportunity to praise God, 
take every opportunity to lean on him. I love the story there that we alluded to in Second Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul asks for relief from the thorn in the flesh. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. You don't need help. You need me. And that's where we are. I would love to find out tomorrow that there's a cure for the virus. I would love to find out that we have topped out the curve or however they're referring to it these days. That things are going to get better. Then they're going to get better very quickly. Walt Disney World will be open. Church houses will be open. All that kind of stuff. College football. Whatever it is that you're hoping for this year. I would love that. But I want more than that is for me and for my family and for my brethren to be Christians, to live in faith, to live in confidence and know that they are in the hand of a just and loving God who promises to protect them. Maybe this can turn into a positive. If we show that the world does not affect us, that the world does not shake us, Perhaps others can see Jesus living in us and desire the peace that passes understanding. If it's working so well for us, they're going to want it to work for them. Do not allow life to turn you against the one who is the author of life. Trust in your Savior. Trust in God. Our Heavenly Father, we beg you for peace. We beg you for hope and patience. If it's in your will to bring a better portion of comfort to our path, we are glad to accept it. But what we really want more than anything else is a closer relationship with you. And if hardship brings us on, then bring on the hardship. If relief brings us on, then bring on the relief. But whatever it happens to be, help us to know that you're ruling in heaven and that you're ruling here on earth and that we are privileged to be your children. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Be still, my soul, your God will take to guide the future as he has the past your hope your confidence let nothing change